This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Break out the headlamps, the flashlights, whatever equipment you need, because we're talking night golf on At The Turn. Nick, have you ever played night golf? Golf at night? What, what, what sort of experience do you have with this? Literally none. I mean, I went to Top Golf one time at night. Uh, one time I went to a friend's barbecue and we, we drank a bunch of beers and hit pine cones with golf clubs. Um, Sounds fun. Back patio. That is my only night golf experience. I used to go to a driving range um, in Hawaii that, that was under the lights. I used to go at night. Um, that's it. So I think I think formally, you know, the uh, the never have I ever answer to this question is no. I never have played night golf. Not even like the flashing weird red balls that you see sometimes out there. Never. No. How about you? Done it once. <clears throat> it was the legality of it is somewhat in question. So we were out at the Oregon Not exactly coast. under the lights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were we were out at the Oregon coast, uh, kind of a sleepy town, Manzanita, and we had uh, a house that we rented and we were hanging out. And it was the springtime, so not, not really golf season, but we were up against a golf course. There's an executive nice golf course. We're up against one of the fairways. And me and my buddy were joking about how we were going to sneak down, but really didn't intend to. And we're drinking beers and the fire's going. And all of a sudden, my buddy Andy goes, hey, what? what is that? And we see this little red thing flickering in the light coming towards us and dropping down to the earth. And then we see a couple more. And then we hear folks in the distance laughing, general merriment. There's dogs running around. I had three or four beers. I was like, I'm going to go figure out what's going on down there. And sure enough. I make my way to the putting green without falling, which was somewhat of a miracle. And there's just these random people that were staying two houses over and we drank beers and we put these, you know, kind of obnoxious red flashing golf balls. But if it's either that or no golf, you'll take the red obnoxious flashing yeah. golf ball. And we did that for like an hour. And that was my one forte into night golf. Very unofficial, very much night golf, no lights overhead, but it was, it was a very memorable experience. That's that's awesome. Was it just like a just a putting session or did you actually play a whole tee green? It was a putting session. I think I was a little bit nervous of like, 
losing one of their balls or damaging equipment. I just met these people. So I wanted to stay. They were very friendly, but I wanted to stay in their good graces the whole time. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's uh, very nice of you. You know, the, the other kind of night golf I, I want to play, which is not what this podcast focus on, but like I'd love to go to Alaska in like June or July when mm. it's just light all, all year round and or all day round and um, tee it up at like midnight. Yeah, I've thought of that too. Just like being in Iceland and teeing off at 11 p.m. and just having this weird haze in the air, that would be incredible. But the focus of this podcast today is how to play night golf in America. And Nick, I'm sure you're like me. Your Instagram algorithm feeds you pretty much all golf stuff. And oftentimes, I come across these super high-quality videos of golfers blasting tee shots under the lights, onto very well manicured fairways, but they're always very far away from me. I'm in Portland, you're in Connecticut. These courses are always in Asia, the Middle East. I know they have at least one spectacular one in Dubai. But in the US, there are some places where you can call for a tea time at 9 p.m. instead of 9 a.m. Now, before I get into these, Nick, it's very important that we remind the folks to rate and review at the turn. I'm not going to get into it too much. You know what to do. If you're looking at your app, if you're on Apple Podcasts, hit the five stars. Just say, hey, love night golf. Spotify, if you're one of the 2% of our listeners that listen on Spotify, it's 2%. They now have reviews. So if you're one of the loyal ones, please rate and review. Uh, I found out that we're doing great in South Africa. We're one of the top 100 golf podcasts in South Africa for some reason. So uh, we love you, Cape Town, Johannesburg. Uh, rate and review the podcast. Thank you for your patronage. Nick, are you aware, without looking at the rundown sheet, how many golf courses offer night golf in the United States of America? No. I mean, the, the answer to this question has been spoiled for me already. But if if I would have had to guess, you know, 15 minutes ago, um, I would have put it at like less than a dozen. Me too. I was pleasantly surprised, and I did not do this research. Uh, you can you can find this information on the internet, but there are 60-ish night golf courses in the United States of America. California has the most. They got about a dozen. Texas has 10. Florida has nine. New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois all have two. A little bit of a surprise that there would be any in cold weather areas, but those are the majority of them. I did see that there's one in Connecticut, and you told oh. the listeners I'm in Connecticut. I appreciate you protecting my anonymity. It's, it's not true. I'm in Massachusetts. But anyways, <laughs> close enough to the border. Um, you know. Is that true? You're in Massachusetts? Yeah. Um, it's only been five years, Joe, so I, I forgive you. <laughs> um, but I found, I, I found there's one in Connecticut an hour and 15 minutes from me, which is doable. I, I could put that on my bucket list. Have you done any research beyond that? Nope. I knew that was going to be the answer. <laughs> well, I mean, I looked at the map. It's I, sure. I, I know where. You know, it's between Hartford and New Haven. I think it would be a lot of fun. And we actually have a guest coming up who has experienced night golf, wrote a really interesting piece on it. We're going to get to her a little bit later. Nick, all of the 60-ish night golf courses in the U.S. are par three or executive courses, which makes a lot of sense, right? You need a lot of lights to execute night golf. If the holes are shorter, 
less lights to worry about, less maintenance, less upkeep. There is one that I could find. Reddit says this is the only one. The articles that have done deep dives on night golf say this is the only regulation night golf course in America. It's Beacon Lakes Golf Course in Dickinson, Texas. Do you know where Dickinson, Texas is? No idea. It's between Houston and Galveston. Does that does that help? Yeah, I think those are both coastal towns. Do you know about Texas? Uh, a, a little bit. I, I know enough to be like pretty sure Galveston is is on the water. You you saying that they're both coastal towns makes me feel like you know way more about Texas than I do. I I, I wouldn't venture a guess to know where that is. Beacon Lakes Golf Course is 6,700 yards. It was built in 96, so it's relatively new. And I really wanted to talk to them for this podcast and figure out, hey, what's going on down there? Because if you go to their website, it's very interesting. It's almost an afterthought that they are a night golf course. Um, It just basically looks like a normal golf course. And it says, have fun under the lights. And that's really the only indication that you can play night golf there. I actually did call and I spoke to a gentleman in the pro shop. Very sweet man. Left my information for the head pro. He never called back. But my personal experience with Beacon Lakes Golf Course in Dickinson, Texas was a very, very positive one. Okay? So I'm saying that right now. Okay. If you look at the reviews for Beacon Lakes Golf Course in Dickinson, Texas, that doesn't appear to be the experience that most folks have at this establishment. Oh, no. So that's going to take us right into our mad golfer of the week. Now, I'm being a little bit charitable here because... And Nick, I don't know if you had a chance to to check out the reviews for this place, but a lot of them were pretty unkind. And again, I want to couch this by saying they were very friendly to me. I have nothing but good things to say about Beacon Lakes from Joe Simon's experience. But this is from the Mad Golfer of the Week. This course could be great. Tree trimming needs to be done. A lot of the tee boxes are narrowed due to overgrown trees. Okay, this is me interjecting. Uh, Hey, it's that way at Augusta, baby. Hit it straighter. (laughs) Can't be, can't be playing narrow fairways. Come on, too many trees. <laughs> Going back to the Mad Golfer, number one, five, six, eight, 13, 14, and 16 all need to have limbs cut back around the tee boxes to allow for unobstructed <laughs> tee shots. <laughs> what? I, okay. The tee boxes need to be leveled, and quite a few of the greens are plagued with blue-green algae. Due to bad drainage. So not only is this the mad golfer of the week, it's the mad greenskeeper of the week. Mm -hmm. Chiming in here. The bunkers are sad, sad, sad. Wish they would put some three sads. I do too. It's like like actually this man is sad. Right. Like they type two sads and it's like, you know what? (laughs) That's not enough. Let me squeeze the third one in there. Wish they would put some money back into the course, especially for the prices. They charge. That is the mad golfer of the week. Any thoughts, Nick? I do have some thoughts. And it yeah. makes me it makes me wonder about a bigger issue here. And I'm just gonna say this mad golfer of the week. Like, let's just take him for for his word. Let's say everything he said is accurate. You know, he's not just a sad, sad, sad human being. Um, and and all these things are true. The prices are high, the course conditions are poor. You wonder if. The reason we don't see more of these, obviously, it's it's more expensive to run a night golf course than a golf course because it, 
playing under the lights, ha- keeping those babies on for how many hours a day, how many days a year, that's not cheap. So you're going to have to hand that cost down. It's going to come from your maintenance budget. You're going to charge your your golfers more. And if you're one of the people who plays between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., why are you going to pay more when you're getting the same product as, as everybody else? The people who are playing between 6 p.m. and midnight are the ones who maybe are just beginning, maybe just looking for a social event to do and just want to have some beers and the bowling lanes are closed. They want to get outside or they want to try it out with no pressure and have a relaxed vibe. They're not going to want to pay, what, 25, 50% more for a greens fee than than any other course that you that would normally pay. So maybe that's a larger issue here and why we only have 60 of these in the country. I don't know, just throwing it out there. Well, that's probably a good question to ask our guest coming up in a little bit, but you raise a good point. And something that I didn't consider is what if you are one of the daytime golfers? Those light structures are probably pretty big. Like I'm less worried about the trees obstructing my tee shots and these because if a tree hits your ball, you know, maybe it'll ding off and you get a bad bounce. But if you make direct contact with a structure that's holding a light up, presumably that ball is going to go pretty far offline. So that would be a concern. My second point is if I'm playing a like if I went to Dickinson, Texas, and I'm on a business trip and one of the guys at the bar is like, hey, are our meeting isn't until 11 a.m. tomorrow. I know a course 45 minutes away. We could tee off in 30 minutes and play 18 holes. It's going to cost 200 bucks, but we can tee off at 9 p.m. I'm going to get a 12-pack. Are you in? Of course, of course I'm saying yes. <laughs> Aren't you saying yes to that proposition? A million percent. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. I can't wait. The opportunity to play golf under lights is such a unique experience, and you're probably right. It actually... It should have occurred to me, but these people are most certainly playing during the day. Like, I can't imagine someone, even if the golf course was in terrible shape, if you're playing at night, you're playing at night. Right. That's the the appeal is playing at night, not just playing golf. And it's funny because you say, like, it's a, it's a night golf course, and you almost instantly forget that they're still doing rounds all day. It's not like they're closed during the day. <laughs> you know, they're still open all day. Um so it's just it's just weird because it's a completely different facility from the way you look at it. But for probably seventy five percent of the golfers, it's it's just a golf course with these obnoxious obstructions all over the place. If they do call back, we're gonna have them on because as we're having this conversation, I have so many logistical questions of like, okay, if I tee off at four p.m. and the sun goes down at seven forty five, if I'm in the eighteenth fairway, do the lights come on and blind me for one shot during my day round? Like, how do you make those sorts of decisions? Are the prices the same for day and night golf? Like, there's just so many things rattling around in my head. Well, the now, clientele's got to be completely different. Um, I would think Joe, so. Every, every time, every time you text me and say, "Hey, Nick, when are you free to record?" What, what's my answer? A hundred percent of the time, uh, eight p.m. Yeah. Uh, eight p.m. or anytime, anytime between when I put my bed uh, kid to bed at eight and when I go to bed at nine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That is that is the sweet spot. It's like I, I'm look I'm I'm reading about these courses and it's like yeah these these group of dads tee off every Thursday at eight p.m. and it's like yeah no shit because that's the only time in their life they actually can play golf and they're not pissing somebody off. I would be very excited to hear that you've graduated from Hemlock Ridge last year to Dads Who Don't Sleep Night Golf Group this year. Like that would be amazing. I would absolutely cut into the sleep that I get 
for the opportunity to play some golf. A little night golf. For a little um, night golf. Well, Nick, we, we're very lucky because we've never had the opportunity to play a legitimate round of night golf. There are some rankings out there about the best night golf courses in America. There's a consensus number one. It's the lights at Indio Golf Course in Southern California. Uh, I'm going to send you the picture of this place from overhead. It, it looks fake. It's so beautiful, but it looks like a first-class facility. And joining us in just a few minutes on At The Turn is a Golf Digest contributing editor, Gabby Herzig. And she got to go there, wrote a really good feature about it. So we're going to talk to her in just a minute about her experience and all things night golf. Get you back to the pod in just a minute, but first a few words from our friends over at Matchstick Golf. They just released their brand new Putterade Ball Marker, a take on the classic 1995 glass bottle of Gatorade. Where were you in 1995? I was a spry 10-year-old running around the streets of unincorporated Clackamas County on the outskirts of Portland, Oregon. Mm, Probably walking to get a McFlurry. They should probably fact check me on that. I don't know if McFlurries were around in 1995, but back to Matchstick Golf. This new Putterade ball marker, bigger, better than ever. And of course, it's also magnetic. You've asked for it and Matchstick has done it. The ball markers are now magnetic, so it's going to attach to any hat clip or divot tool. Right now, you can get the Putterade for 20% off. That's the best discount offered by Matchstick Golf, and it's for our listeners only. Use the promo code TURN20. At matchstickgolf.com, get the brand new Putterade ball marker, a slew of other wonderful ball markers. Matchstickgolf.com, promo code TURN20. Joining us on At The Turn is Golf Digest contributing editor Gabby Herzig. She wrote a great feature that ran late last summer called Golf After Dark Brings Its Own Challenges and Thrills about the lights at Indio Golf Course and her experience playing out there and just what night golf was. Gabby, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. I'm really excited to be on. So I want to start this way because we've had journalists on before, and I always forget to ask this question. And it's such a cool piece. So can you take us behind the curtain a little bit of working in a place like Golf Digest? Did you pitch playing night golf at this specific course? Because I see it's ranked at the top of like all night golf lists. How did this feature come to fruition? Yeah, it's, it's actually a bit of a different story. So I, um, was interning at golf digest at the time when I wrote this. Um, and it was honestly assigned to me as part of my internship experience, which was so cool that as an intern, I got to write a feature article that was actually printed in the magazine. So the fact that they let me run with that and, trusted me with such a big story was amazing. Um, But yeah, Max Adler um, assigned this piece to me. They had always been interested in night golf, but a story about it had never really come to fruition yet. So they thought giving it to me would be a perfect way to actually make it happen. Um, The lights at Indio was actually, it was a funny story how I came across that place. Um, Another part of my internship was I was able to go to the ANA Inspiration to help out with some of our video work that we were doing there um, with Hallie Ledbetter. I'm sure you guys are familiar. She does our video work for Golf Digest. So I was kind of there shadowing her and helping with um, video production. And I was looking in the area and noticed that the lights at India was 10 minutes away from Mission Hills. 
And I said, and I thought to myself, this is a perfect opportunity to play some night golf because I'm working on this story. I'm researching all these courses, but I haven't played night golf myself. So I convinced Hallie and the video guys that we were with at Mission Hills to um, stop by and play a quick nine holes there um, before we went to one of the practice rounds at the ANA. And we did. And it was super spontaneous. We got a tee time probably 45 minutes in advance from when I thought of the idea and just rolled on up and played together. And it was it was awesome. And that was where I really started to get into the story because I hadn't actually experienced night golf before. So playing it myself really helped me kind of visualize everything better and it helped everything come together. Well, that's almost the exact scenario Joe and I were just talking before you jumped on that, that Joe was talking about. You know, you're you're out on the road for work. You know, you have a long day. You're having dinner with your your coworkers, and you're like, "Oh, hey, we can go play night golf here at, at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and yeah. you know, it's something to do in in, the, in this unfamiliar place." What was? I know you wrote a lot a lot about the vibe of that place, but was it a different vibe that you get from just a normal tea time where you you're playing at ten a.m. on Sunday morning? Yeah, totally. I'm one of the things I really tried to get across in the article is how the audience and the crowd at night golf courses is very different than, you know, the types of people you'll see playing on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, you'll get anywhere from, you know, teenagers kind of messing around to a group of adult friends, you know, drinking beers, having a good time, letting loose a little bit more. And then you also have your kind of workers who can't fit in a round of golf in their daily schedule and, you know, playing at night under the lights is kind of the only time where they can squeeze in nine or 18 or whatever it may be. Um, So when we got there, I really didn't know what to expect, but, you know, in the distance you're hearing people playing music on their speakers, you know, lots of laughing, lots of yelling. I think for some reason, like sound traveled maybe a little bit better at that place. It's very compact, um, which was a cool vibe, definitely different than playing during the day. Um, and it was really just like, it's really just a lighthearted environment. Um, and that's one of the things that I tried to portray in the article, the kind of community bonding element of night golf, because it is such a unique experience. Yeah. You really captured that in the piece and we'll put a link to it on our social media. Not that golf digest needs our help there, but, um, (laughs) I appreciate it. Did it, did it align with your expectations of what you thought it was going in? Because obviously, you know, you're going to write this piece. You hadn't experienced it. Did you expect it to be sort of like this, I don't know, fun house within the golf world? Or did you expect it to be, okay, this is just golf and we're doing it under lights? Yeah. You know, I kind of expected it, but I didn't totally know the extent to which it was going to be like that. I mean, another one of the things is that in the US, a lot of night golf courses are par three courses or shorter golf courses. So that in itself makes the environment a little bit more relaxed and fun. And, you know, it's it's very easy for beginners to feel comfortable in that kind of environment too, which in itself can make things more casual and laid back. um, And kind of one thing leads to another. But one of the things that definitely surprised me was how different the actual playing experience is if you're focusing on your swing and reading putts and everything. And I'm sure you guys are going to get into that a little bit more, but um, yeah, there's like a whole different challenge to playing at night. Um, So when I first stepped up on the tee and I kind of wrote about this in the lead to that piece, it, it was super unfamiliar, just like the lighting and the, the angles and everything. So it takes a little bit of time to get used to that, those sensations, but that's part of the reason why it's so fun. To me, night golf seems like, an 
an obvious solution to this this crazy problem of like how am I going to fit golf into my schedule because like you said there's the people who work and have jobs and have families and have obligations and there's just not enough daylight to to fit it in um and there's just so many different types of people who who could be drawn to it what are the things that when you're thinking about the allure you don't think about like when you actually tee it up and you hit a shot and you're like oh I, I didn't think about like I don't know. Is it super easy to lose the ball because there's places that aren't lit or like, what are the things that you don't think about until you're actually out there and you're like, Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, no, the losing balls thing is, is pretty funny because obviously the lights are directed towards like the fairways and the greens. So if you hit a ball, (laughs) why why would they do that? (laughs) It's a little bit tricky to find it. And, um, I mean, interviewing a couple, you know, night golf regulars for this piece really opened my eyes to that. It's, it, one of the most important things for playing night golf is just knowing the course and keeping your ball in play because, you know, on the greens, you can be so deceived by some of these shadows and and lights coming from angles that aren't necessarily natural. So, like, I found myself, like, completely misreading putts a couple times, and I imagine that that wouldn't happen if you were a regular and played there every week and kind of just knew where to go. So that's definitely one of the elements that I didn't quite understand. Um, another one is there are more like obstacles that night, night golf courses face than you really realize, um, which this stuff didn't quite make it into the feature. But um, there, I learned a ton about how often these light fixtures fail, how expensive they are to keep up. Um, you know, these courses have to find maintenance guys that will stay there until 10 30 11 at night um it's expensive and you know there there were a bunch more little obstacles that these courses have to face to keep up these facilities that were eye-opening for sure but obviously the article was meant to portray like the fun side the light-hearted side of night golf so we didn't quite get into all of that but that was interesting too in that vein though do you think that's part of the reason why there's only 60 ish night golf courses in the US just because the logistics of it are kind of a nightmare for a typical golf course that runs from sun up to sundown and then they have this whole other piece to it they have to exist in both of those worlds so it has to be tough to have both of those things come together yeah i think that's exactly it i mean for whatever reason in asia night golf seems to be more successful than it is in the US but i think part of that is just because the golf boom and golf craze there is maybe even stronger than it is here. And they really do. Even at the the course that I talked to in Singapore, um, it's called Marina Bay. They have tea times from like 5 a.m. from before the sun comes up. So they use the lights at, in the morning to, you know, midnight and it's fully booked and you have to sign up, you know, right when the tea times come out at midnight, the week wow. before or whatever it is. Um, so hopefully this current you know growth that we're seeing in golf in the u.s because of covid and you know so many other factors will maybe help night golf facilities start to boom and grow a little bit more um but yeah there there are some huge obstacles i mean i talked to westchester golf course in la i don't know if you guys have heard of it but um they've had lights since the 60s but the technology that they use to build those doesn't really exist anymore so when they have to repair a light fixture, they have to buy a whole new one and it's incredibly expensive. Um, and you can imagine like the electricity bills that these courses face. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Hopefully though, 
the growing interest in golf over the past year or so will help these facilities stay afloat and maybe even convince some to, you know, maybe build lights in the future. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny because I don't think a lot of golf courses are running huge margins anyways. I mean, I don't really know. I don't really know the business side of it, but I think before the COVID boom, especially, you know, they're, they're just out there grinding and, you know, the pros are working. If, if it's, if it's light between Memorial day and labor day, the golf pros at the golf course. So the, the, the concept of investing hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to make it, you know, run even, even more hours the day, I think is probably daunting to a lot of these facilities, but really not just the accessibility for, for people who, you know, having packed tea times, but the, the people who just don't have the option to play golf mm-hmm. otherwise, who it, who could potentially open up to it. It seems like there's a market there that doesn't even consider golf because they just don't have the opportunity to. Yeah, definitely. I think so. There was, there was one, um, one of my interview subjects, his name was Eric Hummel, and he was part of this night golf group um, that would play every, I think it was a Tuesday night or Wednesday night. It was kind of a group of dads that met through their kids' Little League Baseball um, uh, league. And, I mean, they, they otherwise, when, when would all of them be able to get together? I mean, other than at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., I mean, the obligation of having a family and having a full-time job and everything um, – it's, it's just an awesome opportunity to get out on the course without disrupting your everyday life or completely, you know, taking away from a weekend with your family. It's just, it's a, it's a perfect alternative. Um, and I, I really hope that more courses start, you know, investing in this opportunity because of this other market of people out there, um, because it is truly beneficial, I think. Gabby, you you touch on the international side of things on your piece, and you mentioned talking to a golf course in Singapore. But you know, kind of how I learned about this and, and got interested. I'm, I'm sure your IG algorithm is the same way, where you're just being fed golf stuff constantly. And I see these beautiful pictures of folks in Asia and Dubai, and these golf courses look like they're championship courses, and they're smacking drivers down these beautiful manicured fairways. And I know in Europe, in Europe, in the European tour, they tried some some night events, and it almost feels like how it's been over the past twenty years with any golf trends. It almost like the international market is a testing ground, and then it comes to America. Do you see that being the way it's working for night golf, or is this more of a fad because so much money has to be pumped into these facilities to make them work? No, I think that's that. That honestly is a pretty cool prediction. I mean, I would love to see that happen. You've, you've probably seen like Emirates Golf Club in Dubai. That's the big one that um, you always see these like golf influencers posting from. And the ball flight is so beautiful and the night sky and you have like the Dubai skyline and everything. And I think I, I've even started to see, I think, more like American golf figures um, over there, you know, showcasing how amazing it can be. Um, I do think money is definitely the main issue, but I agree. I, I think that you know, we've definitely seen some trends in golf come from Asia specifically and eventually transition over to the U.S. So I, I don't think that's out of the question at all. Um, and I would love to see it happen. You know, we've seen top top golf boom in the in the U.S. Um, and I always see these these videos on my Instagram and social media feeds of these amazing like triple quadruple decker ranges in Japan and Korea. And I think that the U S is taking after that as well. So maybe it's just kind of like one thing after another and we'll get some 18 hole championship on uh, night golf courses soon. 
Augusta and Knight, maybe not <laughs> next year, but maybe yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, something I'm, I'm really curious about, because I looked at the Indio scorecard, um, the facility you went to, and there's a 220-yard par three. So did you ever find a situation where someone hit it into a spot where the group had to collectively look for a golf ball? Is the give up time looking for a ball at night kind of the same as it would be during the day? Or when you hit a ball in a spot in like a deep shadow, you're like, all right, I'm hitting another ball. You know, luckily that place is pretty compact. And if you miss, like if you hit a ball pretty offline, it's probably just going to be on the adjacent hole, which is nice. Um, But yeah, there were some long par threes. And luckily none of us, I think maybe one of us lost a ball, maybe like an OB ball, (laughs) but um, it was a really enjoyable experience because it wasn't one of those courses where there's a lot of trouble. It's kind of just pure fun, um, just target practice and just challenging around the greens. Mostly that was the coolest part is trying to figure out how to read a putt when there's like three different floodlights coming from three different sides of the green. Um, But yeah, we, and then we learned quickly that the lights shut off at a certain point. So the um, there's a guy that drives around in a golf cart and takes out all the pins to warn people that the lights are going to shut off soon. So we actually <laughs> didn't know that going ahead of time. And we were like, hmm, why are they removing all the pins? And then kind of put one and two together and realized what was happening. Was anyone That's still nice out there? Hint. Yeah, the people like stayed until the very last minute. We we quit after nine, even though it's a eighteen hole golf course or eighteen hole par three course. It's really cool. I, I gotta ask, how's the scoring? Like, can can you compare your score in a night golf round, just apples to apples, to a, a regular round, or do you have to kind of factor in a couple strokes here and there because of reading the greens and things like that? Yeah, I think first time I wouldn't compare. Like, I definitely had a solid string of bogeys for my first couple <laughs> holes out there. Um, but I think eventually, once you get the hang of it, I can see it being, you know, just something you get accustomed to. Um, and that's what a, a bunch of the interview subjects that I um, talked to said. It's just kind of a different game out there. And once you learn it, it becomes more and more and more fun. So you don't have to keep like a, a nighttime handicap and a daytime <laughs> handicap. You know, that would be kind of that would be very interesting. I would I'm curious on how someone would calculate that. Um but yeah, no, I, I think after after a couple of rounds of practice, you'd be fine. <laughs> All right. I'm going to I'm going to strap on the tinfoil hat here for a second. OK. Do you think and given the like the whole aura of your pieces, this is a chill vibe. Everyone's just trying to steal a few hours, have a few laughs, a few beers in the golf course. The kiddos come out. It's a good time. Do you think if you were to be a dedicated night golfer and say 75 percent of your rounds were at night? And then you try to tee it up on the weekend, like with your normal Sunday game during the day. Do you think there would be any like adverse effects? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Maybe, maybe with reading putts, but also maybe with just what you're used, like the vibe of how you're used to playing. Maybe Mm. I know some people also told me that night golf plays a little faster um, because, you know, people just kind of go up there and hit their shot with less expectations. So maybe just the general, you know, culture that you're used to of playing. I think maybe when you go back to playing during the day, it could be like, this is way too uptight for me. I need to go back to my night golf. Um, But other than that, I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. After this experience, how would you rate night golf one to 10? 
Oh, it's definitely up there. It's got to be. I mean, I, I couldn't put it below a 10. It was just so fun. I mean, I just I think everyone should try it, um, even if you're skeptical. Um, it's it's not going to be like your normal Sunday afternoon round where you're counting every shot and and trying to be your buddy. It's really just about the the fun and the unique experience um, and like seeing the game in a whole new light. Excuse the pun, but um, you know, it really <laughs> is. It really is about all of that and um, the good company um, trying something new and like experience that experiencing that newness together I think is the most important part so um yeah 10 out of 10 for me I had a great time I haven't played it since so I need to try my hand at some east coast uh, night golf courses soon but yeah everyone should go try night golf I was surprised that there were facilities like in the northeast and in cold weather places I saw there's California Florida Texas but there's some in New York Nick did some research there's one just down the road in Connecticut from him so it's Mm -hmm. kind of everywhere Oh, is the one is the Highland Greens one the one that's near you? Yeah, I, I, I did I did some research. I was re- I was reading your piece. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That one that one's with, within uh, distance for me. I think I'm making it my resolution this year to uh, to go hit that one up. Yeah, I, I, same with me. I'm in the New York area, so I'd love to try that one out. And that's where that you know cultish night golf group plays. So maybe we'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, them. I love it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get a tea time together. We'll yeah, uh, we'll why not hit, hit the links. Well, hopefully Golf Digest sends you out to Dubai because I would love to hear what that place is like. That would be, yeah, that would be on another level. <laughs> Again, the piece is called Golf After Dark Brings Its Own Challenges and Thrills about playing golf at night at the lights at Indio Golf Course. It's the number one night golf course in America. Golf Digest contributing editor Gabby Herzig. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.